You're listening to the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, Bree. People can say my name and I still don't pay attention. Chris. This is what happens when your number one health concern in the state is porn. Jeremy. Flicks it and then walks out and just kicks the living crap out of whoever. And Julia. This week on Julia does everything that's embarrassing. Uh, you know, Julia's not here again. This is her uh, third job. She's had as many jobs in the year she's been on this show. She's actually technically had more jobs in the year she's been on this show than we've had co-hosts. It's true. In that seat. <laughs> but she has a new job. That's why she's not here this evening. Hopefully, hopefully this is the one. Yeah, hopefully it's the one. We'll La- see. Lasts a while. We'll see. We'll let her, we'll let her fill us in next week. Yeah, because I don't, it sounds She'll like. She'll probably know a little bit more about what she's doing and stuff next week, yeah, too. Yeah, today was her first day. She's still there as we record, so. Good luck, Julia. Yeah, good luck if they're keeping you there that this late uh, on your first day. She didn't um, start till like ten, though. Oh, so it's a perfect job for her. So it's, yeah, it's probably <laughs> a meet the early or the midday crew, the afternoon. I don't know. We'll, we'll that's because that's like there's a guy that works for me that he doesn't show up before ten like ever, and he works. He used to work all night, and like I would show up like when I first started, I'd show up at like seven in the morning. He was still there from the night before. So, but I know he stays. I don't know how people do that though. That's he stays probably till I would say seven or eight most days. He's there. So I'm the the kind I could work late without a problem, but it's the early that I I would rather get up, work, and be done early than work late. But I can work early and late, and I can work from early to late. So I can do it. I just my problem is if I start early, since I own my own company. I just work later. So if I start earlier, I just put in 12 hours instead of My 10. brain starts to malfunction around four. Like, legit, like, doing productive things. Like, I could do a meeting, but, like, anything really productive on my own after about 3.34 is really difficult. But by that point in time, because I'm, I'm starting my day early. I'm usually in my office doing something by 6, or if I'm going to work, I'm, I'm in the office by 6.30. And so it's like, I'm, I'm rolling. And those first, I probably don't even see a soul, even though people come in until close to nine 30 when I go into the office and I'm just in a zone, yep. just cruising. Like today I looked up and it was like noon and I was like, holy shit, I've been working for six hours. I was the same way. I started around seven and then same thing at noon. I'm like, oh crap. Oh, half a day. Probably take a little break. <laughs> yeah. I wish I were that busy. I'm not that busy right now. You have been plenty busy in the past. I have. So this is a I've good I've been reprieve. helping train a new person and maybe retrain somebody who needs some retraining. We'll this see. has been the new Utah Busy Hour. Yeah. yeah. Brought to you by work. Um, so let W. <laughs> speaking of not work, but also work, um, home projects, I... Finally finished the back patio, so I got the last of the the wood up and the the, the third the last strand third up. strand of lights, and I put up the two fans and I rewired the electrical um, last night so that the fans would work, and uh, it's all done. So we have a nice, wonderful outdoor space that's well lit that has fans for airflow that we don't need for <laughs> nine months. <laughs> Yep, it's perfect now that it's cold. <laughs> Although it's supposed to be pretty good this weekend, and so I told Chris maybe we'll have a dinner like outside. We won't need the fans, but right, eat outside. And then uh, my mom has a table that she's giving me, so for future friend well, get-togethers, it's very similar to our table. So yeah. we'll have two of those nicer big time nice. tables like that. Yeah, so nice. that should be 
That should be a good little addition, make our patio a little bit nicer to be on. It's plenty nice to be on now. It's a really oh, it's nice always space. been it's always been pleasant, but this will make it even more so. Well, well that, when Chris was mentioning that, like when you guys go out to do like whiskey and cigars and stuff, now you can kick go, a fan on, even if it's cold, or kick or, a fan on when you're smoking. Yeah, cigars. or even like just have lights so that maybe you're not sitting in the dark unless you want to sit in the dark or whatever. So no, it's nice. It'll be nice. I'm excited. What about you? I saw pictures from the harvest. So honey harvest. But I saw also that you honey harvest twenty twenty two. You would need two weeks to harvest. Yep. So we harvested three bars. Um, was it just too much to do? Yeah, I just six? my pot because you said you were going to do six. The pot was full. Wow. So so the way I do it, I've talked about it before, but a little recap. I've got a big stock pot. I put uh, cheesecloth in it, tie it so it's suspended, and then I put the honeycomb in there, and then kind of cut it up. And then I stick it in the smoker. I don't turn the smoker on, but I put it in the smoker because even with the it cooler, gets hot. It, it was over 100 degrees in the smoker once the sun comes up, even though it was only, I don't know, in the 60s, maybe 70s this weekend. But the smoker heats it up really well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was to the point where the, the pot was full. So I had the next bar out, and this was Jonathan's first time helping me. He actually wanted to help. So I had him helping me. So he's standing there with the next bar, and we're like, it's too full. So we had to put it back. So I've got at least, so I did three. I've got at least two more that I know I can harvest, still leaving them, but I didn't get that far, so I could have possibly. And for those that don't three. know, he takes the bar, walks far away from the hive, yeah, cuts it into the pot, and then uses a bee a bee a bee cum, as I like to call it. It's a <laughs> modified vacuum attachment to suck the bees out so they don't die. Yep. And then I put them. Then I take the bucket and take it back over to the hive and carefully. Dump, dump them back, back the into bees. the hive. And the cool thing is, is that anything that he spills, they'll just go gather oh, yeah. and take back to the hive. Well, so exactly. So we did have a, one of them, they were, it was a little wonky and we were almost to the table and it broke the part of the, part of the, the comb broke and fell off. So I picked it up and, but there was a, a I don't know, dollar sized chunk still left there. Within 20 minutes, there's probably 300 bees on it. My bees on it, taking the honey back to the hive. They're like, Hey, who brought this out here? What yeah. kind of asshole does this? <laughs> So they clean it back up. And then also the cheesecloth, when, when it's drained, we take it and we squeeze it out to get the last fit. And then I'll take the cheesecloth out and set it underneath. And let the bees and pick get them everything take everything out. Of so so awesome. anything that gets spilled or whatever, the, the bees will take right back into the yeah, Those guys are insane. So these are so cool. Nothing gets wasted. So we probably got, so we did those little jars and then three of the bigger jars. So I'm guessing four or five pints so far. Have you taken honey to your neighbors behind you to be like, hey, I have bees, just so you know. We did when they first moved in. Yeah. And we haven't had any issues all that I'm aware of. Not but, that you should, because you've had the beehives there forever. So. Oh, yeah, much, much longer than they've ever been there. So, yeah, four-ish, four, between four and five quarts so far, and I probably have about as much to go. So in the ballpark of an eight-quart That's awesome. Harvest, which it's is so pretty. That's a such lot. A pretty color. That's a lot of honey, too. Yeah. Eight quarts. That's a lot. And all for a... Well, and you had that mini harvest earlier this year, yeah. right? Yeah, because I had a bar break, and I thought, eh, I'm just going to harvest it. Yeah. So I got four or five of the, the, the little, little jars. jars. Yeah, the I little jar that we have on the us, counter. Yeah, you gave us a, a bit of that. And I saw you were using the honeycomb in the yep. jars. So this whole round... Cool. What I did is as we're cutting the honeycomb, I just cut chunks and put them right into the jar. Because a lot of people like them. For us, we don't 
It's Ca- just, yeah, you're like, I just want the honey. I don't care, know. but I know a lot of it. People that would give it to, in fact, it's most people that would really give it to. really good looking stuff. Like to have that little chunk of, of Also, just help. so everyone knows, it also takes up space. It does. <laughs> so, like, if you're at a farmer's market and they're selling a jar of honey as 16 ounces and it's got a chunk of honeycomb in it, it ain't 16 ounces of honey, I'm yeah. telling you right now. So those little jars, I don't have to put about half as much honey yeah. when I put it. The, the honeycomb in that. Now, granted, it's got honey in the comb. But, but not that much. But it fills up the jar, yeah. so it's kind of like, eh, all right. And it's a lot and of it's space. it's really cute in those little jars. It, they look so good like that. It does so. look cool having the, the honeycomb in it. And most people, like I said, that we give it to as gifts and stuff, really like the honeycomb in it. So anyway, second batch, I'm not putting honeycomb in it, though. Second batch, because it'll just be for our use. But no, I'm really excited, seeing as how we lost our hive last spring a year ago spring so we haven't had a, a harvest in almost two years at this point yeah that's right that's right that's yeah, that was a tough i remember that was a tough one because the, bees Glad the honey worked since everybody's garden sucked yeah yeah so i got some butternuts hanging on man i got like three good sized ones out there they're not good enough size to eat but they're still growing we got like four cucumbers they're so bitter. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they look fine. They're the right size. I couldn't get cucumbers. Maybe pickle to grow. them, maybe. So bitter. I would just give it the chickens. Yeah. Chickens will eat them. But chickens will eat anything. Even our pumpkins, which I talked about last week, we did get probably a dozen or so, but half of them are already rotten. Mm. Like on the porch, rot because the. Because the, they were just not good. No. Well, the beetles got to a lot of them. Most right? of them. Yeah. That's so, I mean, the chickens loved it. Threw it to the chickens and cracked open, and it's full of beetles. The chickens went nuts. They got They're beetles like, oh and pumpkin, <laughs> protein and pumpkin all in the same <laughs> batch. That's amazing. It's like dessert and <laughs> dinner, <laughs> dessert and protein all in one. So, yeah. Although, now, to be fair, they probably enjoyed the beetles more than the pumpkin because that protein out of those bugs, man. Probably. So nothing goes to waste. There's like tons of beetles inside of it. Oh yeah, and they're big. Yeah. So, at least they eat the beetles. Yeah, cats don't eat. Beetles. When I get a beetle in the house, the cats won't even fucking play with it. They're like, they, look at it, and they're like, ooh, that's gross. Well, it's because they release like the nastiest fucking stench. See, chickens could care less. <laughs> chickens then, are like, I'll eat it. Another thing that we did this year that was a little different is in our chicken research, um, spices don't affect chickens. They can't taste it. They don't care. So what yeah. I've been doing is in their feed, I've been putting cayenne pepper and chili peppers. Also, it keeps other things away. It keeps the mice and the rats away. Because they don't like it. They don't like it, but the chickens are oblivious, I guess. And then it's supposed to actually help their guts huh. for some reason. I haven't noticed any difference with like how the eggs taste or anything. But see, I've been adding cayenne pepper and stuff. And if you remember last year, it was well, there were tons of house. Turn, tons of problems with rats. This that's, year. A, that's an awesome way to and naturally keep it out, keep other things out. Not that's been part of it. I have no idea. But well, I'm sure some of it was because. One, all that construction, just digging, oh. digging up that fields, pushing all those families of rats out into the neighborhood. Well, and it was, it wasn't just me. No, yeah. Talking were, to my other neighbors, all of our, my neighbors on my side of the street all had, had big rat problems. So I'm sure there was a rat's nest that was dug up in, in all that construction. And yeah, they were just, I remember because we would watch them go from house to uh-huh. house, like from your, well, you yard. thought it was a squirrel. That's, that, how, that's how big that fucker was. That thing was huge. <laughs> and I went over there. No, it was a rat. Rat just stood and stared at me like, what are you going to do, bitch? So, yeah. So, we just went to the dollar store and got like $10 worth of spices. Nice. And then I've just been dumping it in their food. Just dump a whole thing yep, of it dump in? dump the whole thing. So, I pour part of the bag in their feeder, put a whole thing of whatever, cayenne, some more feed, chili powder, another thing, chili pepper, just, just, just whatever to do it. That's yeah, awesome. Whatever. And it, 
Probably smells good when you feed them. Oh, it smells really good. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon that shit. See if you can get it in bulk or even cheaper. I probably could. I probably get like a ten pound. Or bag. even at like Sam's Club or Costco or something. No, no, no. Amazon because you can get the bags. Yeah. Because at Costco and Sam's Club. Or at the the NPS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The or the, the Chinese superstore. The, yeah. No. yeah. Their bags won't be as big. No, but again. But yeah, big, so another, another thing that they say is to put like mint and stuff in their nests because same thing, rats don't That'll like keep it. cats away too. But yeah, the chili powder and all of the spices in their food seems to it's have great. It's great. Helped. So anyway, there's, there's my little farm update. Some, some urban farm talk for you. That's right. Um, I guess I bet Bree put the story about I the did, Mormons on I did because I think it's funny. It was conference weekend. And there hasn't been a whole lot of news other than the fact every, that apparently now Mormons can get tattoos and multiple piercings. single local paper and local news station had the fucking temple count on their front page on Sunday and Monday. All day. So there's two stories out of it. So some ex- some excerpts from the revised statements is on bodies. As you make decisions about your clothing, hairstyle, and appearance, ask yourself, am I honoring my body as a sacred gift from God? And then just talks about that. And then gr- dressing and grooming, piercings, you know, just the sacredness of your body and make decisions. Make Think about it before you make those decisions. Same about sexual purity. They're talking about, like, if you're gay and you don't do anything about it, then they're fine with that. That's right. No. Um, Pray the gay away. No. You uh, stuff your feelings deep down inside and you like crush Like the light them. switch? Oh, no, that's a crush the box. It. Crush it. Um, but basically, everybody everywhere is basically talking about the fact that they didn't say they you didn't. can't get tattooed and you uh. can't have multiple piercings. They're just saying think about it. So everybody's taking that as so a Mormon loophole. Go get a go hey, get a Mormon tattoo. You know what? The blacks were outcasts for how many years, and then in the seventies, suddenly. Hey, you served your time, black people. Well, you can the, be in the priesthood. What the the prophet people, whatever, who talk at conference were saying is their church is global and there are other customs and stuff of people in other nations that they should honor, which they've been doing kind of motherfuckers because of the Polynesians. If you actually have the fucking word of God and no one else got it and you fucking got it, that should be the word of God, not, hey, yeah, yeah, I kind of changed my mind because you guys just now, I know you're having a hard time getting these fucking Africans to convert. So like, they have now it's okay for it's piercings okay. and tattoos. They, they can walk around without a shirt on and with piercings and tattoos because that's their culture. That they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like that's fine. God that's changed fine. his mind. Also, they're black, so let them know they can be in the priesthood. Now, don't talk about what happened before the seventies. Oh, and by the way, if you want to drink caffeine, that's okay. It's not a hot brew brewed beverage. It's just caffeine. It's fine. <laughs> I don't get that, and and I pointed this out before. Like, you're not supposed to have a hot beverage, but you can have hot chocolate. Yeah, that, How does that work? What's like that whole thing's dumb. Yeah, and it's just whatever, whatever. The the whole thing about it is, I think that they just try and make it so confusing that everybody's just scared to do anything, so nobody does anything. And if you're Mormon and listening to this, you can share your thoughts with us on Facebook or something. Twitter, Instagram. Honestly, probably you can don't email care. Us. Hopefully, you realize that we're not going to be on your side. <laughs> it's stupid. I mean, you could make an argument. We might see what your argument you're trying to make, but it still doesn't make any sense. Uh, here in this house, we just say tattoos are trashy and move on. 
That's how, <laughs> that's how I roll. Tattoos are trashy. So He's paid for all my tattoos, by the way. It's not a faith-based thing. I just think tattoos are trashy. No, you don't. And I don't like plugs. If you, I don't care. You have yeah, fucking 15 I'm piercings in your ear. I'm not a super ear. big the, fan of a gauge the, the, either. Yeah. The, you could have like nose piercings, lip pierce. I don't give a shit. Pierce whatever you want. Pierce your vagina. Pierce your wiener. I don't care. But when you gauge your ears... Well, the problem it's, with gauges is the they first problem fucking is stink. they smell bad. The second problem is you have to continually get bigger and bigger and bigger ones because it stretches out your ear. And then at some point, like it, when you, if you ever decide you don't want it, there's nothing you can do. Too you have bad, a giant so sad. You ear. get to cut your ear and yeah, try well, to they can surgically yeah. like cut it. They can cut it off, but sew you back together. But your ear doesn't ever look the same. Yeah, so that's one that I don't. You either go around I, with a giant hole in your ear or. I don't, I don't like the way it looks. I don't understand the purpose. Like, I don't mind like the smaller ones and stuff, but since you have to keep getting bigger and bigger, I just, I never and do. And pierced that. tongues are what I don't quite get. Oh, pierced tongues are fine. To each their own. I, don't just... I would sit and play with it all day. <laughs> Most people do that pierce their tongues. They just play with it. I've been thinking day. about getting a nose piercing. Wouldn't that pierced tongue mm-hmm. like hurt to eat? I mean, I'm just thinking like nope. logistically. Nope. Think about how fast your tongue heals. It's great for fellatio. <laughs> I always think about getting like a, a nose piercing and then I think, oh, how would I blow my nose when I get sick? And how do you pick your nose? You like, that's like, that just all like a blocker, like a finger blocker. There. Finger blocker. You stab yourself. That's what you do for your kids to get them to stop picking their nose. Or like, like it would just stab your lip. Does that rub on your tooth or is it? I don't know. I don't, anyway. That's not for me. I don't have any piercings. Some people pierce their cheek. I don't have any tattoos because I'm not fucking trashy. We can move on. Mormons are just now allowed to be trashy is what I'm getting out of this. So, uh, <laughs> so there's a, there's a candle class over at, uh, oh, oh, Olio. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. No, I, Olio, go ahead. No, it's fine. The candle class at Olio where they're doing, uh, new candles. Uh, and then, uh, my dog's an idiot, but, uh, cocktail collective. So cocktail collective. So Julia and I were there on Saturday. Posted a little video of it, and I just wanted to point out that they're doing Cocktail Collective and Julia's Pleiadian Altar. I, I can't even say it right. Um, on the ninth, they're doing pumpkins and potions, and it's a pumpkin cocktail that they mm-hmm. actually hollow out a, a pumpkin and make the cocktail in the pumpkin. So that looks kind of cool. And then uh, the thirtieth, moon wreaths and mold wine. So you're actually going to make a moon wreath, and then mold wine is the oh, yeah. drink for the for the the class. Excellent. Excellent. All right. With us this week is uh, Stacy Ward, the director of Rough Patch Rescue. Welcome, Stacy. Hi. Look at that. You didn't even ask how to pronounce her name and then mess it up. I got mean, it right. <laughs> it's Stacy Ward. It, there's like I don't know. It could be some weird. It could be Stassi. Stassier. We're excited to have Stassier. On Stassier <laughs> Wayard. <laughs> So, so for those of you who recall, we had Jen, owner of Canine Design, on. Oh, probably, probably, probably been a year and a half ago. Yeah, it's been a while. So she's friends with her, and that's kind of how we made the contact. And we're super excited to have Stacy. Plus, none of us buy dogs; we all rescue. We them. all have rescues or kitties. We have Jeremy doesn't, but we have rescue kitties too. Yep. So anyway, we've been we've been trying to coordinate this for probably a month and a half yeah. now. So we're super excited. And to I have her. think you may actually be the first rescue organization we've had on. We've had groomers. We have like our we've had our dog we've, trainers. Yeah, on. kudos to canines. Um, we've had 
canine but design. I but yeah, I think I don't think we've had any. And, and like in this so. time frame, like we've done, we were just asking because I can't remember which group does. There's a group that does an auction pin up for pups. They well, they did before COVID. They, they do it since, online now too. Yeah, they haven't since COVID. But I was like, I don't remember which group that was. But we've actually like she's walked like with dogs in that auction. Um, it's not from uh, lack of trying. We've no. tried to get rescue. But, I think uh, the problem is is you guys are all so busy. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be the first. <laughs> and you're almost always all volunteers, too. Yes. <laughs> like, majority of us. There's yeah. very there's very few people that work in a uh, animal rescue organization that aren't at some level mostly volunteer. Right. So. Right. And even true. the ones that get paid are mostly volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So six and a half years. And in fact, we're, our, we're like almost dead on our six and a half year mark. Because it's October and is it March? May. May? I think it's May. So anyway, right about six and a half years, you are the first. I love it. That's, that's pretty impressive, that's actually. That's pretty impressive. We've had a lot of people on the show. So uh, l- let's let's have you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, we'll get into to Rough Patch. Although you have a specific question you want to ask her. You know, when you do that, it just ruins oh, the goodness. flow. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Except for that you guys are getting better about asking it because I hated the way you asked it before. Well, I'm just going to ask now. So what month were you born in? Because she hates it when I ask it that way. Because then he's just going to ask you a follow-up question. <laughs> what month do you think I was born in? I have no idea. You have 12 guesses. I, I feel like you're a fall baby. August. 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 Oh, okay. Not quite. Okay. Now, now the follow-up is what day or what, what part of August? The 24th. That's oh. what she hates. So. I, I just say, why don't you just ask him what date they so were born? So you were a Thanksgiving baby. Mm-hmm. That means your yeah. parents were doing something oh, on Thanksgiving. So that yeah. means Thanksgiving. Well, well, Christmas the, party, baby. Christmas yeah. party. That goes yeah. yeah. time frame. Early right Christmas there. party. Was it like a, a key party? And <laughs> mm-hmm. <and> that. <laughs> Those kind of parents. So you know, you've talked to your parents about it. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't before, so, you'll think about it now. Uh-huh. So now, think next time you watch The Grinch, the Jim Carrey one, notice the party scene. They're all putting their keys in the bowl as they, they walk are. in. Mm-hmm. They are. Those are some twisted Grinchy. They're not twisted. They're not Grinches. Who's? No, that's what. Why do you think the Who's are always so happy? (laughs) (laughs) There's a re parties. I mean, they're incredibly happy and tight as a community. It's like one giant FLDS community. Well, you know, only one of them had the weird nose like five generations ago. Yeah. How they all Hasn't do. really, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Christmas baby, right? Christmas here. baby. <laughs> so where where were you uh, born? Uh, Minnesota. 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 Don't you know? Yeah. Land of a thousand lakes. So. Is your family still in Minnesota? We, for the most part, yes. Uh, we just, my brother moved out here first, and then shortly thereafter, I followed. And then I have a twin sister who kind of followed Shortly thereafter. Twin sister from the Twin yes. Lakes. Same father? Um, same father. I'm just checking because of the whole key thing. Maybe, you know. Same father. Um, and then, uh, so my parents are still in Minnesota, but we, during the whole COVID, we moved my father in with us. So he lives with me. So did so. you grow up in Minnesota then? Mm-hmm. I moved here 2006. Oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you went so, to school and everything in Minnesota. Yeah. So say we usually ask people where they went to high school because we know most of the mascots, but it isn't going to make any no, difference. I guess won't. we can still ask. Where, it, where did Spartans, you Richfield, Minnesota. So Spartans. Yeah. So, we have Spartans here. Who are they? What school is it? I don't know. Murray. Oh, you guys suck. You Murray. can't do it backwards. Is it Murray the Spartan? <gasps> He's right. Murray. I think it's Murray. So what brought you to Utah back in 06? 
Oh, God, it was kind of like a mixture. So after my brother had moved here. So I guess we should back up. Why did your brother move here? I mean, Minnesota to Utah, it's like, I mean, it happens, but it's like, that's a little. If there's not like a family connection or Or something like that. that's Well, there is still. Like my cousin, who's uh, an entrepreneur, he's dibble-dabbles in a little bit of everything. He has lived out here for years. Making pyramid schemes in Provo. All of it. (laughs) And so my brother uh, actually attended college out here. Um, And then, yeah, shortly thereafter, I kind of followed. We're about a four-year difference. Why did he go to school? Uh, He went to the U. Oh, nice. Yeah. What was he studying? I couldn't tell okay. you. I think that's what yeah. most people who come from out of state go is to the U. Well, I don't think BYU or the U. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that many of them come here for like snow college. <laughs> well, so if he's if he's going to the U, possibly medical, engineering, those are kind it of is the, more business. Also, business. Related, the yeah. David S. Eccles School of yeah, business, business is quite popular there. Yeah. Okay, you named like two things out of a whole bunch well, that the U is that people a, would come out of state for. Yeah, Maybe. but I think he originally came here also because of yeah. my cousin. And gotcha. So then family. you came here because of your brother. Did you come here for school as well, or just because you wanted to come here? Just to come here, yeah. I was looking for a change, and a uh, change. we it it was a big change. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're very outdoorsy, and I mean it's beautiful here. So are people is. are there yeah. people in Minnesota that aren't outdoorsy? Not really. Because there's a lot of outdoors in Minnesota. Yeah. And you Isn't have to be able to handle the weather. Right. This trading company's yes. in Minnesota, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very close. So. The land of a thousand lakes. That's all I know about mm-hmm. Minnesota. We have Is plenty. There's so much water. <laughs> and snow. Lots of snow. A lot. Of cold snow. as hell. A lot of yeah. ice hockey. I mean, it's pounds. cold here, but it's a whole it's nothing. different yeah. cold. Well, it's, I mean, a, it's a wet cold there. Like it's. It's kind of yeah. like when we talk about humidity and heat, heat and mm-hmm. cold and Yeah, so I was in wet. Texas just two weeks ago. It was hotter here than it was in Texas by a lot. This was like That was when it was like 102 here. Right. It was probably only 91 in Texas, but the humidity in Texas Correct. was like 79 to 80%. Well, same like when we were in New York and we'd be walking around and we'd be fine and then we'd stop for a half a second and realize we're so we're, like our backs are dripping are wet. sweat. And we're like, <laughs> what the heck, man? Oh, yeah. So even though it was cooler there, yeah, it was cooler, wise, but it but we were yeah. sweating Here like it's crazy. Like being in a so being from oven. Minnesota, do you bring a lot of non-salads that are salads to potlucks? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, I'm not really much of a bringer to the <laughs> potlucks, <laughs> but t- I know what you're do talking about. Do you watch about. TikTok at all? And not really. There's a lady. Is she Minnesota? Is she the Minnesota? I don't. I can't know. remember what she's called. But anyway, she does the whole like accent. She does the salad mm-hmm. that's not a salad thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's she, a, that's a Midwest thing through and through. There's the one who does the the Midwest dirty talk. No, No. you you follow a whole different TikTok than me. (laughs) Some of the things that you send me are weird. No, she's literally like there, and she's making things that you could actually make it like Snickers salad. Yeah, she's or like she made a Viking sing the other day, and she had to make it different because she didn't let it set up, and it looked like she melted Velveeta on it. But she's like, it tastes good. It just looks. Don I was watching. She's like, I'm gonna spank you, don't you know? (laughs) Yeah, your TikTok is way different than mine. Chris gets a lot of my good TikToks too. I wouldn't call them good. <laughs> Half of your TikToks come to me and it says video is no longer deleted. available. Yeah. So you you get to Utah. <laughs> what do you what do you do when you get to Utah? What what's the 
college work? So I was working with my cousin at the time, and then the um, scheme cousin. yeah, no, we call that uh-huh. direct sales. Oh, exactly. Right. And then um, I met my husband, and then he just really encouraged me to kind of go back to school, and that's when I went into school for veterinary medicine and got my associate's degree. So. Was your husband working for the pyramid scheme too? No. <laughs> Did your husband know that you were going to get involved in an animal rescue program? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He, well, he started it with me. So, oh, well, there uh, we yeah. Go. So he, he was kind of like the fundamental, like, um, so before I moved out here, I fostered for an organization in Minnesota. So I've been fostering for a year, few years before I came out here and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I wanted to start getting back into it when I got out here and it was just a little overwhelming, you know, new state trying to meet people and there's so many different organizations out here and, and you know, there's good ones and then there's bad ones and trying to find where your values are very similar to the right rescue. And, um, but my focus was school at the time and he ended up, um, always stopping at this gas station every day before work. And there was always this little lab puppy constantly. Just, it was kind of like the gas station lab and, um, it just would hang around and he would talk to it. And then finally he was just like, this dog needs to come home. Like, and the gas attendant was like, it literally sleeps in the parking lot. It doesn't leave. And so he's like, it's getting colder. We're just, he ended up taking it home and that ended up being our first quote unfold foster was it a foster fail no we we stayed strong and um i think he probably maybe would have had a little bit harder time with it i think uh it was i don't think he's never done fostering before where i had experience with it so letting go is sometimes the hardest that's why i don't foster people yeah and i think if you can look at the bigger picture and understand that you are helping them and you're still a part of their lives and then you can continue and help the next one that needs you. I told Chris, maybe when we get older and we want to travel more and so we don't have our own dogs that we could do like fosters because it would be easier to know that like we've got to travel so that we're going to get this dog ready to go somewhere else. But right now I just would get too attached. Yeah, Mm -hmm. We have a few fosters that actually don't own any pets and it's because of their lifestyle and they travel so much. And so it's perfect because they love to have dogs. And so when they're in town, they can foster them. And then when they're gone, you know, they yeah, no transfer them to a different there. foster or yeah. temporary boarding until they get back. Or but. maybe a an actual home or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So you start with gas station puppy. Yeah. And how do you how do you progress then into starting a rescue organization? Gosh, it's so it was we officially started in two thousand eight and uh it was just kind of uh, so you weren't messing around because you were only here for two years. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, and we just started, you know, doing the basic kind of, you know, saving animals that people, friends of family knew, like, you know, they needed to rehome them because of the situation or, and we just were kind of known as the people to go to and they'd be able to help. And we were, you know, just doing kind of set up like adoptions, you know, in parking lots and trying to advertise that way. And then we're like, we got to get more funding and advertisements and start to get the connections with like the pet smarts and pet co's of the world. Yeah, because it's expensive. Because it is. They, come, they probably come to you many times sick. 
um, or, you know, malnourished right. and you have to pay for the vet visits and then there's the food and then maybe the special care and Absolutely. vaccinations and all of that stuff. And so I think it was just kind of like, well, we gotta just, let's just make this official. And, you know, you look into all the applying for your 501c and, you know, you can Google that and it's like overwhelming of information. Like, do you want to pay a company to do this or can you do it yourself and save the money? And we ended up just writing all of our articles ourselves, and it took definitely a little bit longer. Um, I think it ended up being like a three month process, but we ended up getting approved and then it just kind of flowed from there. And so then it was making the contacts and the relationships with, you know, different veterinary clinics, even though at that time, I was already working at Stone Ridge, so we already kind of had an inch. But before I started working there, we did a lot of our work with, you know, the spay and neuter clinic because it was low cost. And, um, but now it's a lot more convenient since it's the <laughs> clinic I work at. So it's you. just super easy. So, um, but then yeah, extended from there. So, but yeah, every, I, when I look back on it, like I, where we are today is, nowhere where I thought I would be. Like I'm thinking, okay, just, you know, little help a few rescues out and be done with that. And now, you know, we have a good support system and our volunteers are amazing and all the clinics we work with, because obviously there's specialty clinics that we work with for special cases. And yeah, it's, it's My crazy. Daughter's a vet tech in Colorado and they just dealt with a couple different parvo cases and stuff. And she's just like, I just, it's so heartbreaking. Chopper. Uh, was part of a a puppy mill and he had parvo when he was a baby and she's just like it's just so heartbreaking and it's it so is. costly and they're staying there at the vet clinic and stuff so I don't know it's sad it that's that's part of another part of the reason why I can't do it like just seeing sad yeah little creatures makes me sad it does but so. I think it, with my background it also helps you know because I that's my job you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it kind of it's not like you have to like break it in half and, but there is that medical side of it. And then at the same token, you're like, I'm going to help this animal heal. And then we're going to move on type of a thing versus, but you are, there's, there's going to be losses and your heart is going to kind of go on through a little roller coaster, but you know. So were you always interested in animals? Yes. And so how did this, <laughs> this love of animals, where did it come from? Oh, uh, so we lived in the city in Minnesota, but we, my mother grew up on a farm, um, in the Wilmer Cosmos, Minnesota area, which is about two hours from the city. So like, if you're familiar with Minneapolis, that's pretty much where I lived. Um, and so always around animals. Um, whether it was the dairy farm or just the regular farms, there was constant animals, you name it, there was probably on it. And so our summers we spent was pretty much out on the farm. And so it, we've just always had it. My whole family absolutely adores animals and they've always been raised around them. So I think that's where it stems. Yeah. I pretty much think that people just are born to just love animals, like animals or not. Like there's a, there's like those three groups. There's people that just, they from the, you just love them. You get it. Or you're just like, Oh yeah, animals are great. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, I just just don't do animals. There's, I just think is that my daughter's just been an animal lover from the beginning of time. So I can't imagine her doing anything, anything that doesn't involve an animal in some way. She wants to do research to save them. Right. But still be involved with animals. So that's awesome. You're just born that way. So I agree. You guys, you guys put your articles together yourself. You become an organization. 
and I know you start with like friends of family and friends that need help, you know, rehoming a pet or whatever, but now that you're, I mean, you guys have been around for a long time at this point. How, how do you go about deciding what pets you are and aren't going to help? And I ask that because like right now in particular, like this is a really crazy time. So we had the last like two and a half years where everyone went to home and got forced out of work and didn't work or work from home. And they're all like, Oh, I'm going to get a puppy. And then they all got puppies and they were impossible Mm -hmm. to find. Like shelters were completely empty. And now like I read an article through the two year phase where the puppies are naughty again. I, Mm -hmm. I read a, I read an article last week, I think. And, um, there's a lot of no-kill shelters in the valley that haven't had to put an animal down in years yeah. and are now at a point where they're facing that situation because they have way too many animals. Like they've split their kennels in half to try and accommodate more animals and they just they just don't have anywhere to go right. because everyone's giving them up. Absolutely. And it's it makes it kind of difficult, right? So for us, we, even though we, I, with the connection with Stone Ridge, we are still a foster based organization. So what we pull in really kind of decides on our foster capability. So what fosters are open, um, every fosters have different dynamics as far as what they can take into their home, size, breed, you know, hypoallergenic, are they good with kids? Are they good with other dogs or female dogs, male dogs, cats? I mean, you name it, you have to kind of trickle it down. And so we definitely strive, especially with my background. It's really hard for me to like deny medical cases, but I got to make sure that we have the foster capability of taking that on. Cause that's even, that's even more difficult, right? Having right. A, a special case. Like I know you guys do a lot with like spinal bifida. Absolutely. That's where my heart is. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that yes. is really tough to foster a dog Extremely. with those kinds of needs. And so, and you'll know Brody's a prime example of a spinal bifida. Like there is no time crunch on the animals that come into our program. And he's been with us for almost four years and it's to no fault of his own, but I can understand that there's not really enough information about spina bifida out there. And I think for anybody that doesn't know him, it's can be overwhelming and intimidating to take on a dog like that. But he, to me, is so easy because with any other dog, it's routine, it's structure and you get that. It's, it, it's so easy. It's, it's so, yes, there's diaper changes, but you know, we're in Utah. People are used to that. <laughs> so, so I but, know with the with the dogs we've rescued, when we've gotten them, they've for whatever reason <clears throat> out of practice with crate training, all of that sort of thing. But that's the very first thing I do is we crate train for about two or three weeks. Absolutely, <clears throat> you're only coming out of that crate to go to the bathroom or eat, and that's it. And it for my kids. When they were younger, they had a really hard time with that. Oh, the dog is mm-hmm. sad. I'm like, I don't care. It's but, <laughs> but like with they're not though. They're like not. It gives they're, them a sense of safety. It gives security. them a sense of place. Our, our dogs sure. still go to bed in so, their kennels. So Kenobi, and the kennel door is probably open, right? Oh yeah. And, yeah. Th- this one sleeps sometimes, in the kennel all day. Sometimes yeah. if she's tired, like if she goes, so we call it school. Like it's. It's, she goes to kudos for tra- like training every week. It. So we tell her school, she knows that. But like on school days, some days, if it's a pretty exhausting, sometimes she'll just go put herself to bed and we'll be like, where did Phoebe go? We go upstairs and she's just laying in her kennel. She was mentally yeah. exhausted. Like, I'm yeah. tired. <laughs> Kenobi, who we've had for about four months now, he wouldn't go in a kennel at all. Now he goes in a kennel. I tell him, go lay down. He goes right to it without, I mean, and then at night when we're watching TV or whatever and he's ready for bed, he'll go put himself away. But, 
that's the structure. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's more to it than that, but it's definitely part of the structure. Just like kids, they they need a place that's theirs, that it's their safe zone. Well, Correct. and all of our animals use each other's kennels except Phoebe. She only fits in hers. But like, if the cat decides <sighs> to go into Chopper's kennel, Chopper will just go into Phoebe's kennel, and then Phoebe's like, "Well, I guess I'll just lay on the bed." <laughs> <laughs> but the, so the nice such around. the nice thing about organizations like Rough Patch though is. You know, unlike where you have rescued your dogs from like weird, shitty people, crazy, shitty situations directly, when they go into a into a, a, a rescue, a structured foster, rescue like yeah. Rough Patch, they get fostered, and that is one of the things that fosters do with the dogs. Is right. they, they There's do a kennel little bit of training them. that absolutely comes with your dog. Not to say when you get them from a foster, they're going to be perfect. Right. But there's still transition. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's, it's but definitely that's how you a huge helping hand. You gotta keep it under yeah. control anyway, as you've gotta have some sort of training that comes with it. So that's kind of nice. Like it's a nice way to get a dog that you don't have to do that kind of stuff. So are, right? are the dogs that you get, is it all people just reaching out to you and saying, Hey, I found these dogs or I have this dog that I can't keep anymore. How do, how do people typically get dogs into your program? Yes. So we do get quite a few owner surrender requests. And as of right now, it's because the shelter systems are so overflowing. They're not really a priority because in our mind, they're still in a home, whether they're having problems in that home or if it's temporarily there, that animal is still safe. Um, and so we are concentrating on the shelters and the ones that are especially overflowing and depending on, you know, like I said, what the case is, those are where we're pulling. So, cause there are a lot, I mean, the, the sad truth is in shelters, you know, when they get to a point where they're that overcrowded, they simply don't have space for them and it's right. not, it's not safe to keep all those animals together like that. And so they get to a point where if they've been in the shelter for a certain amount of time, unless they find that they're incredibly adoptable, those are the first on the list to go. Oh, for sure. And it's not only that, but it's the manpower. Mm-hmm. Most of the shelters, too, it's trying to find It's a people. very it is underfunded part of city government. Absolutely. And it's, you know, they don't even have the correct support staff to even take care of these animals. So, well, our daughter actually found a little emaciated dog on Friday. Was it Friday night? I think. And she's like, we called and they can't do anything until Monday. And I'm like, start calling some other rescues and see that because they're in a condo and they already have a dog and three cats. (laughs) And she's like, we can't bring the dog in. Like we don't, we can't introduce them there. The dog doesn't like other dogs. It's fine with cats, but doesn't like the other dogs. And so they're like, what can we do? I'm like, well, put them in your garage and then call around and see if a rescue. Well, can that's the other thing. Like, come. if you call rescue organizations, some of them—I don't know if you guys do this, so you can you can clue me in. But for example, Phoebe came from Cause uh, from a big adoption event a few years ago, um, and we got we got her from Cause. Cause requires the microchip be tagged to them so that they can find the dog quickly. And if you find a dog and reach out to rescue organizations, a lot of them keep those records and they're able to say, yeah, this is so-and-so's dog. We know it's been missing for a month or three weeks or however long. That's correct. So most of them do that and it's kind of for just safety of the animal. Mm -hmm. And we're literally listed as... The implanters, you can call it co-owners, yeah. but the adopters are always the primary contact. And if for whatever reason they can't get a hold of the adopters, then they're able to get a hold of the said rescue organization and the rescue organization can then determine to either pick up that animal again or 
maybe reach out to their contacts again with that family um, and see if they have any other. I know that like a lot of times, you know, you maybe entrust your pet to somebody while you're on vacation that maybe, and it gets lost and then you're, you can't be reached. Now your pet is gone and the person you entrusted to is like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. So we're kind of where we're kind of not, known as foster like you were, but we're like kind of the babysitters in our friend group we because, pets in a lot. because our cats are fine with other dogs. Like they're, they know how to like protect themselves and they, you saw the little mm-hmm. cat door and stuff and Phoebe loves other dogs and she's fine with little dogs, big dogs, whatever. So we just, our dogs will take one pass at the cats. The cats will swap. <laughs> no more. Of I'm that. out. <laughs> yeah. We haven't, we haven't gotten to watch Kenobi yet. Um, he's cause he's that new, but like, we watched their dog that they had prior. We've watched Rocky. Phoebe's a Phoebe's a huge fan of every dog in the whole entire universe. She just <laughs> thinks that every four-legged animal is meant for her to play with. Um, so yeah, we just we kind of are the sitters, and I know that you know, like when we usually it chopper. Uh, Jeremy can take Chopper. Some of our friends can take Chopper, but most can't take her. So we leave her with kudos. And it's because I have to have them with somebody I know right? Can that I can trust with them because you've got to be so careful. That sense of security. Absolutely. Yeah, because when they're in a different place. Well, but that's the nice thing about kenneling back to that is like when we leave her with kudos, we take her blanket. They put it in one of their kennels, makes it feel like home for her. For Chopper, we just take our kennel his kennel because it's he's little right and then they have a little piece of their home that they can go to wherever they are if they're like this is not for me i'm going to my kennel right like it just makes it handy for people when they're trying to care for your dog to do that too it's not mean at all exactly so how do you find uh people to to help with the dogs the not not fosters yeah the fosters how do you go about that process so we you know it's mainly our adoption events so when people just come and you know just wanting to hold a puppy or a cat and just talk. It's just education and just trying to get the message out there and what we're trying to do and how important volunteers are because we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the volunteers, you know, or at least to the extent that we're at right now. I mean, Matthew and I could do it to a certain amount, but I mean, we have 80 plus animals in our program right now and (laughs) there's no way that... I, I talk about we talk about kudos a lot because we're like huge fans of them and they they work with uh, I don't know some rescue organization I can't remember which one it is but like Robin was the other day she's like I was like oh it's so nice that I don't have a whole bunch of dogs at my house that aren't mine she has like six or seven of her own dogs mm-hmm. because you know she's a dog person yeah um, but she's and like she likes Bernese so she, she has some yeah. big dogs so, but she was like she's like wait. No, actually, because we, we have this dog. She's like, I had 15 dogs at my house when I was thinking that I don't have that many dogs at exactly. my house. <laughs> because she was fostering so many dogs. It's true. And Tiny. it's funny because she takes the dogs. Like when we say that we board with them, they take them home. Right. And so like some of the dogs, like she's fostering, some of the dogs are hers, and then some of the dogs are being bored. So we always know that when Phoebe's with them, like she's just playing her brains out. Like right. she just thinks that this is the best sleepover that she's ever had in the entire universe. <laughs> it's like a vacation for so her too. So when, when you find these people that you're you're having foster for you, or that you're starting to engage with to do that, how do you vet them to know that like 
they're not going to have 20 dogs and not enough space for them and treat them properly. And or they know the how right to things. care for the breed or what to expect. For sure. So I think it's just kind of you got to go with your gut and just conversation. And you see your instinct and how you feel with them, how they're interacting. Um, we don't necessarily always do house calls, um, but the application is a lot of it's by honesty. Um, but we are such a hands-on organization that when they're coming into the events and coming into the clinic, it's not just like, oh, we're seeing them once a month. You can see how the animals are being taken care of and it kind of responds accordingly to that. And we are such a close group that we are constantly getting together. So having like little festivities. So you really get to know them on the kind of non-volunteer side too. And, you know, our we, it is a rough patch family. You know, we're very close and, um, you get to know each other outside of the organization. And so, and yeah, there's sometimes you reel in some that you're like, maybe this isn't not quite for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to come across those. Absolutely. Not everything is going to be like a perfect kind of match, but you know, when it comes to, especially me deciding which foster is going to which I'm very particular with that. And it's just because I know if it's not going to work out, it's going to be more headaches for me in the long run. So, um, I really have to, you know, what animals are in your house and tell me about the personalities. And if they kind of clue me in on a few little triggers, I'm like, you know what? I'd like to meet your dogs first, you know, and let me meet them. And then that way I can choose a better foster for you possibly, because I want this to be a good experience for you. And yes, it's going to be work, but at the same token, it should also be fun and rewarding. Right. And if it's just always negativity, then you're not getting what you need out of fostering. And neither is the pet. Absolutely. They're going to be frustrated. Well, and then the animals that live in the home are frustrated too. And it's just a ripple effect. And so we try to make that transition as smooth as possible. Um, introductions with foster dogs, you know, our fosters kind of not necessarily go into a training, but we kind of really give them really good tips on the do's and the don'ts. Um, and I think, you know, the more a foster fosters, they learn from those experiences and, really evolve into that kind of position and how to kind of help their animals take on new fosters because you're not going to have like a perfect match every time you're going to get a foster dog, right? Because there's just like with people, you can put them in a room and, you know, four out of five might like each other. And then there's going to be that one that'd be like, I'm, I'm I'm not. Well, yep. you have you have that dog. Oh, this dog loves everybody. Till you bring your dog Until, over, absolutely <laughs> for some reason. And yeah. you know, and it happens. And it's just there's going to be some personality or some triggers that they're picking up on, and you just being able to understand those and respond to them accordingly versus ignoring them. You're in most cases going to be able to filter those out. But yeah, it's it's kind of tricky. But at the same token, you know, you just it's relationship building also with the people and, you know, not just be like, Oh, here, nice to meet you. Here's dog. Have fun. You know, it's, <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> that's not helping anybody. Oh. And, and most of the time when the animals do come in, um, I, they will come live with me to at least for a certain period of time. Um, unless it's like a, a shelter that I really kind of trust and to, to be able you. to tell me things. Um, but the shelters, again, it's nothing to do with them. They're all understaffed and they can't necessarily do all these certain testings. And so 
I'll usually have them for maybe two or three days and kind of evaluate that and be like, yeah, this is going to be perfect for this family. So do you have like your new dog zone, like an area where the, 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 the foster dog, <laughs> so it's kind of away from yeah, the others? So but, mm. Mine is kind of more of an open door policy just because my pack is a very 10 year pack. And so I really, how, how many dogs? A lot. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So, and it, it constantly changes. Um, you know, our, our personal pack alone is, is five. But then when my dad moved in, he brought his three dogs as well. Oh, there you go. Um, and that's not including the foster dogs. Okay. That's just our personal yeah. dogs. Robin. Yeah. yeah so I, mean, the fi- the f- I was expecting like five to seven. Yeah, so, so eight with your dad's dogs, not a stretch. Yeah. So it, it, it and it kind of varies. And honestly, when people ask me how many dogs you have, I, I like blank. I'm like, what day is it today? Yeah. Who's in my Who house? Because like I, and, and I, I ask that because it is a pack. And if you have an established pack of yep. five or eight, dogs can come in and out. And dogs in a really good established pack, dogs coming in or out of that pack fall into line pretty quickly. Oh, for sure. Because if you let dogs be dogs, they're gonna be dogs. Mm-hmm. They're gonna fall yep. into line. They're not going. That if there's a tiff, that'll be it. That it gets settled and dominance is established and they learn to And you behave. have to do, and you have to let them do a little bit of that yeah, because absolutely. If just trying to say, but it's funny because little Miss Julie over here, she absolutely loves her dogs. And I constantly tell her, if you're, if you guys bring the dog over, you cannot keep picking up your dog because every time you pick up your dog, my dog's like, what's going what's on? What's going on? She's going to go over mm-hmm. there. She's going to pester you. She's going to bother you. You got to but she's i'm like she's not gonna hurt your dog but 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 he he whined yeah that's his response (laughs) what's funny is it's that's how she knows oh too much pressure on the paw gotta relax a dog pack is very similar to a herd of chickens and i know or a flock i should say i know it sounds weird but but there's a pecking order we've got seriously we have chickens usually anywhere from 12 to 25 at any given time as strange as it sounds, it's the exact same thing. They all create their pecking order, and that's where the term comes from. And when we introduce new chickens, it takes two or three days. There's some fights. Absolutely. There's some something, something. We have chickens as well. So, and then yeah. they all fall into place. Yeah. And then over time, whoever the the lead hen is, for whatever reason, she'll fall out. And another one will take over. But there's this... Whole and there's just a harmony in it, symbiotic relationship. They know their spot and they they're happy. Well, and again, they know the rules of the house too, Mm -hmm. and they can help instill that and kind of bring that with those new dogs that can come in. You know what I mean? Because they were like, "Oh, what are these dogs doing?" And they're going to kind of follow, and so it makes it really nice. And so, if you have a really well-rounded pack, it's great. But if you had say that many dogs and they weren't well-rounded uh, that's just chaos that's, you know and I that's not a healthy you, environment for any live? yeah <laughs> that's so the, that's those stories on the news where the cops come and take away these exactly crazy, this crazy lady's got 10 dogs and yeah <laughs> it's so true and yeah. our our neighbors absolutely love us and you know anytime because you know i always we were li- we live out in Bluffdale and, you know, before we lived out in West Jordan, but I'm always very friendly with my neighbors just because we do have behavioral cases that come in and sometimes they can be a little vocal. And so I feel like communication with your neighbors saying, Hey, just bear with me for a little bit. Cause this dog is very scared and it's going to take some transition. And so if you hear the vocalization, even though it's a house, not an apartment, it's still that, 
that conversation. Yeah. And our, our, our one set of neighbors are just an adorable couple, but they absolutely just love just hanging out over our fence and be like, who do you have now? And, <laughs> and they just, they're just amazing. But yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, it really, you know, a well-rounded pack is very important when you're dealing with that kind of quantity. What kind of, what kind of advice do you have for people that, that are considering being fosters? So, you know, I would say it's always worth willing to try it out. I know sometimes they're like, the main complaint that I get is I, my heart, my heart's going to hurt. I won't be able to let this go. And I always tell them the first dog or animal is always going to be the hardest. And then you kind of see the happy family and see the end result. And then, you know, you get to help another one and it's really rewarding. But at the same token, it's also work. You know, there's going to be some fosters that come through that act like they've lived their their entire lives and it's so smooth. And then you have some fosters that are a little bit more tricky. And so you just got to kind of feel, you know, where they're at and their mindset and, you know, their lives. Cause everyone's like, well, I don't have time for that. And, you know, like a lot of times for owner surrenders, for example, they're like, well, I feel bad because, you know, my dog's locked up 10 hours a day and I'm working too much. And I said, to be honest with you, most people are. Okay. Most people work nine to five. So if you're giving up on this dog, it's going to go to another home that is doing the exact same same thing thing. that you are doing. So it is not an excuse. And let me tell you, you, if you you work nine to five, put up cameras in your damn house. If you don't kennel your dog, I can tell you what they're doing. They're sleeping Sleeping. on the couch or on your bed. They might move, but they're they're sleeping. And if you don't allow the dog on your bed when you're not there, they're on your bed. They're on your bed. It's true. Like, so my daughter oftentimes will watch her because, like I said, she's big. And so not very many of our friends can accommodate her. But, but my daughter will say, well, I have like my 12 hour shift. And I'm like, okay, well, just make sure you let her out before you go. Right. Let her out as soon as you get back. She's, she'll, she'll be, be fine. fine. Yep. She won't Take care. You. She'll, she'll be asleep. She, she's not even gonna notice. She, she won't even honestly, be awake most of yeah. When what's the alternative? The well, alternative is they're nights. in a shelter and sleeping yeah. in a kennel. And you sometimes know? she works nights, and she's like, "Well, what do I do?" I'm like, "She sleeps at, at night." I'm like, "She probably your hours that she works at night. She's probably not going out. That it's time probably gonna anyway. be like a little bit earlier for feeding and going out, and maybe a little bit later in the morning for going potty, but." Like other than that, like if the like, cats don't asleep. wake us up in the morning, she sleeps in an extra two to three hours. Oh my gosh, <laughs> stupid cat! I've been fortunate that I've I've worked primarily from home for the last sixteen plus years. So for me, having dogs is a little different. I'm a lucky person. Right. They're in my office during the day, and it's funny because the kids, when they were younger, and then Julia, they're like, ah, and I'm like, you know what? I'm with the dogs all day long. They get up, they're crazy. Well, you guys are getting ready for school. You guys all leave. They come into the office and they, and sleep. they sleep until you guys get home. <laughs> like, it's true. <laughs> like if you're ignoring them, meaning you're not really playing with them, you're going about your day. They're just gonna do. They their just want to be in the room with you, and they're just laying there. So I've got, I've got just present. I've got yeah. two beds in me in my office. I got a dog in each. Sometimes they'll sleep on the same one, but they'll switch. That's what they'll do. I get up yeah. to go do something. They'll follow me. They'll come back, they'll lay back down. It's like, just let them be dogs. Exactly. I mean, you set up ground rules, you, you, they have their routine, but just let them be. Yeah. During during COVID, I've been like towing the line. I'm like, we're not letting her out in the middle of the day. I know that we're here, but she needs to keep that whole thing where she holds right. it for that long. 
transitioning going back into the office or well and i don't home. think i ever will like they're they're not making me they're not talking about it or anything like that but i'm just like it's just handy for saturdays yeah if we are going to be gone most of the day or like i said if we're traveling and my my daughter's a cna and so she works a lot of nights just like it's just handy to be able to know she can be in the house for 12 hours and there's not a problem and cats right. are never an issue they so so with your fosters, to kind of get into a little bit of the nitty-gritty, how much are they responsible for? Are they paying for food themselves? Are they paying oh, the vet bills themselves? Or is that part of what the organization is helping with? That's a great question. So we definitely cover everything medical. And so if it, when it comes to diet, we ask our fosters to support their nutritional needs as much as possible. We do get food donations, but it's very few and limited. Um, and not to kind of sound, you know, a little high up there, but some of the food donations that we get are a little bit lower end. Old Roy brand <laughs> from Walmart and Sam's Club is not great dog food, people. And you know what? It causes problems. And yeah. so the Fosters, you know, it, it is free dog food, but the and you don't want your dog to have screaming diarrhea. No. So I would much rather pay for the food to make sure the dog correct. fostering has... Good, solid balance. And not only that, but it's consistency. So the dog food that we're getting is constantly changing, and fosters are not wanting to constantly change the diet of their dog. Because again, Again. same thing. Even if it's two good dog foods. It's different. And so um, I'm... I will admit I'm a food snob. I donations come in unless people ask me specifically what I feed my animals. I will always resort that out to other volunteers that will use that. Otherwise, I have other organizations that will use it too. But chicken, rice, and pumpkin—is that what you doing with the blueberries? Is that what you <laughs> all, feed your dogs? All that good stuff, right? That's what I. So speaking of shifting food, kind of funny. We we were doing this. Or is it science? Di- the, the one with the pumpkin on the cover. Anyway, we were doing that one for a while, and then for some reason we, did, we shifted to something else. And there was these little green something in the food. And I come out, and there's little piles of these green things. Although both of my dogs, neither one of them would eat the green the thing. The little vitamin thing. Whatever the green thing Remember was. Remember Leah? She used to spit the little vitamin thing <laughs> oh out, and we'd step on them everywhere. <laughs> Phoebe, she's a... So she's driven food driven. She'll eat so whatever, we switched but. back to the other one because they wouldn't eat whatever that green. Whatever thing was. it was, they were like, it's uh, like the, the vitamin. Maybe thing. I don't know. It's like your kids with the cereal; they eat all the marshmallows. I, I do want to. I do want to ask though, what do you feed your dogs? So I feed them Nature's Domain, the salmon sweet pea recipe from Costco. It's a nice medium grade, and you know we get, especially my pack. I have quite a bit of bullies in my house who have allergies, and so even my animals that don't necessarily need a grain-free diet. They just tend to get it um, just because I, tr- I want to feed my household, except my SB cases, my spina bifida do have, have medical. Food, they yeah. do. And so, um, but with that also being said, so if a diet falls under medical, like they need a prescription diet, that is now a medical issue. So that's not going to be, they good. are, I mean, they're a hundred dollar bags of dog food. Right. And so the organization will pay for that. Yeah, that science diet stuff's outrageous in yes. the Royal Canaan stuff. When our, when our Dotson, who passed away last summer, was going through kind of his last few months, 
we had him on some special food and good lord. Was yeah. it Phoebe that we had Yeah, to put it was on these little bags guy? and they were like no, seventy dollars. Oh, easily. Oh, cat, that's right. It was so the cat thing. had a the cat had a uh, urinary tract infection and we had to put him on special food. Yep. Uh, so right his sister out, got put on special real, food too. Which yeah. you're like how you're like, Can you separate Not them? Cat, but then no, you're like, cat. Okay, we'll feed them both and you're like, That's such an expensive yeah, food cat, to feed them. Cats are cats are harder to separate in my oh, for world sure. than dogs. Like I can, like, Phoebe always waits until he's done eating. We had to train her to do that, but she'll, like, devour her food, and then she just sits there and stares at him. And he's, now that now that Trapper's old, sometimes he just sits there and stares at his food for a while before he decides <laughs> to eat he's, it. He's 15, deaf as a doornail, yeah, and going blind. In November. So, like, he just, he has, I'm pretty sure they're standing seizures where he just stands there and stares <laughs> into nothingness for, uh-huh. like, 10 minutes. Yeah. But sometimes he just stares at his food, and he's just like, mm, Sometimes we have to sprinkle like something. So like, I'll be like, oh, there's goldfish on the can. And I'll just like put a little bit and he'll be like, oh, there's a treat in here. And then he eats it. But like, we had to train her not to eat his food because he's on senior and she's three. Mm-hmm. And so she but just, the cats, she'll just, I just sit don't and know wait. How you do that yeah, that's hard. It's hard. But yeah, that, so, so that is good to know. Like if they're on a, right. a special yeah. diet like that, 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 that is covered. Yeah, that so, is, it could be overwhelming, obviously for the fosters. I, so that's immediately covered. I'm assuming all vet care goes to Stone Ridge. It does. Yeah. And Unless it's certain specialties. Right. Uh, specialty well, surgeries. Yeah. And we do a lot of specialties over there, especially orthopedics. Um, but, you know, like liver shunts and corneal transplants or anything. Stuff. So, yeah, uh, that's so, out. So I know this sounds maybe a little harsh, but at what point do you have to draw the line? Because, let's face it, you could spend seven to $10,000 on animal surgeries and do, sure. do you reach that point with some of the animals where you're like we have to make some hard decisions so thankfully no because i think again with my background i already know it going in what this case is probably going to roughly cost um and i will never put the organization at jeopardy of so not being able to accept correct pet, pet. so i'm like if i know that we're not going to be able to financially support this animal i'm not going to take it in because it's not helping the animal. It's not helping out the organization. Um, as much as I would like that animal to be saved, but there's so many organizations out there that hopefully someone that is capable of doing well, that. It is, it is tough, but your vet bills could be as much is that, as human. Correct. Is that something that you guys do? Because you're right. There are, even in the Salt Lake Valley, there are a ton of rescue organizations that some are super specialized, right. some are very general, uh, similar to you guys. Do you guys talk to each other and say, hey, we, we can't take this pet? Can you guys take this pet? Do you Absolutely. guys do a lot of that? Absolutely. So we are definitely a close network. And so I think for the most part, all organizations know of other organizations and you know the directors. And so I get referrals from other organizations all the time and a lot on behavioral cases. We'll get so many referrals, especially from Rescue Rovers, um, that I see it coming through on these apps. Like these guys referred me to you guys saying that you take these guys and might be able to help me or at least lead me in the right direction. And I think that goes for everything, even, you know, causes a great organization as well. And so we, we kind of all know each other. Rescue um, Rovers is who Kudos works with. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to like step on no. each other. I just couldn't remember because yeah. we we couldn't remember when we were remember like two do, yeah. years ago. Kudos went down to like Santa Fe and brought back like twenty something dogs up with them for rescue rovers. And yeah, they actually closed closed Kudos for a bit because they're like we're we're taking everybody we can to bring back as many as we can. Yeah, exactly, so. and so we there's a that's like a primary spot for a lot of transports. 
is we're usually meeting at that location. That's, um, and so it's, I, we're a very close community and, uh, I think most of us now are on that, you know, what's called best friends coalition, you know? So, oh, that's right. That's, that's so do you guys have a particular breed or breeds that you specialize in or is it not so much the breed? as Yeah, it is? it's just the cases. So I love the bully breeds. Me um, too. And so, and I think, you know, especially in the beginning, you know, certain behavioral what, that are deemed behavioral cases and you get them and you're like, this is, come on. Like they're totally misidentified. Right. Well, it's a pit bull, so obviously uh, yeah. It's got and so this is a pit bull. Well, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the mentality a lot of people have. Oh well, it's a pit bull, so it's going to have behavioral problems. Correct. And so I think you know, for me, you know, we're not like a breedist. Like we we love them all, and we have certain families that love certain breeds. And so if I get something, I'm like, oh, that would be perfect for that's that family. What I, would I would foster bullies if I foster. I you love know, them. And you she's just my, know she's my third mix. And one of the things that caught when caught, they're like, you know, that she's a pit bull mix. I was like, oh, that's why I'm looking at mm-hmm. her. Like mm-hmm. this would be my third one. But honestly, it's the black mouth cur side of her. That's the pain in the butt. Oh, not sure. the pit bull. Like <laughs> she is so protective of our yard and she wants to like control what everybody's doing, where you're going, mm-hmm. what you're doing. Um, that, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because that breed is like getting more and more popular. It is. I noticed yeah. it. She like, Two others, I think, in her class when One. when we first got her. No, there, there was another mix that I'm pretty sure was a black mouth oh, mix. Yeah. That I just don't think the owner knew what they were mixed with. But yeah, she, her, they actually knew the mother. Uh, they, the mother was in their custody when the puppies were born, and they think that there were two dads because there were. So she, the mother was the mother was a pit bull. Yes, there were eleven in the litter. Two looked like her. And the rest are like and the so other nine were yeah. like straight pit like, looking. You just look and, at them and, and you're like, it's funny. Like a, a lot of people don't know that's possible. I'm like, oh yeah, there could be several dads yeah. out of the <laughs> dogs out on the street. They can have three or four dads. Oh yeah, that belly. Easy. Those dirty bitches. Yeah. <laughs> well, it happens with cats too. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure our cats have the same mom and different dads because they're totally different, but they're from the same litter. But they don't. They're not at all the same. At least uh, they're presumably from the same litter because they found them together. Yeah. So what's yeah. what's the average time that a foster has a pet an or, easy case yeah, it's a non-medical case um, yeah medical easy case. basic Probably one puppies. you're looking two to six weeks puppies for sure like two weeks i mean they they're pretty good um the adults small dogs you know on average i would say that and that the medical cases obviously that but ranges does it so take, dramatically does it take longer when they're up in age or is it like are juveniles like a longer case to find a home for than say senior you know, pets? Surprisingly, um, a lot of people want to get adults and house trained. You know, they're like, I don't want to go through that puppy phase. So, like, when I'm looking to, for a dog to to rescue, <clears throat> it never quite turns out the way I want because I end up rescuing these like weirdos, weird, crazy <laughs> situations, but. I would prefer a dog that's between one and two years old. It's already been neutered, spayed. Yeah. It has its shots. It's relatively house trained. I would. It's through the. Yeah. It's probably at or through the worst part of its life. Exactly. Raising a new dog. Exactly. We've, we've always since since we got the kittens and stuff. We've actually stuck with puppies just because once one of them goes, we're like, well. Like we have to get an animal that we know is okay with the other animals and we would rather kind of train them to right. be okay with them. 
Um, so like we got her as a puppy because we had the cats and chopper already. And <sighs> see, and that's another good thing. I mean, we get a lot of times people want to say like, I want to get a puppy because of that reason. I'm like, our fosters have cats. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So even if you have an adult, I could tell you well, exactly. And like our, our previous dog that we had before her was a Dogo Pitbull mix. Mm-hmm. And the girl that we got her from that we, we, she had adopted her out once or twice. Yeah, she, she had, had been fostering her, her oh. and she'd had to bring her back a couple of times when well, she had small dogs okay. that were literally hanging so from her like, ears when we went to visit her. <laughs> and we're like, okay, so clearly she's, she's okay with fine. little dogs. Uh-huh. And, we, and our cat at that time was super old and definitely like Final the boss dogs. of the house. Mm-hmm. And she, and he had been around dogs and stuff. And so we brought her around and she was the most gentle, kind. She, pr- she protected the cat. Too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she'd, awesome. she'd go step step between when any when we'd be like babysitting because that was when Ebo was a lot younger and yeah like we were watching his dog Ebo before he passed and the cat was trying to drink water and Ebo was like bugging the cat because Ebo was like what is this thing so, so Leah like stepped between them and like bodied them off stood there so, right. so he could get a drink and like, then the cat left and then she left and then Ebo was like oh I guess I don't bug that thing <laughs> that's crazy it's awesome she's, but yeah that's, she's not yeah. like that she's 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 crazy, but that, that's the, that, I mean, that's the trick with, with knowing what, what, yeah, what if works we fostered, in a foster situation. If we fostered, we would know, yeah, the dog gets along with a, we have a scaredy cat, we have a friendly cat, we have an old dog, we have a big dog. Like, we would know what they got along with and what exactly. they didn't. Exactly. So. so what do you guys need the most of? Because obviously you're, you're a... Besides uh, volunteers. <laughs> yeah, volunteers, a volunteers, volunteers. Yeah, like what, what are the things that you guys need the most? So honestly, it, it is the volunteers and the staffing. It, it truly is because, you know, everything else kind of... We have great supporters and um, even like the clients over at Stone Ridge you know, we're constantly getting donations of, you know, like I said, the food, but just even the toys and the pee pads and pet smarts. They're the store that we, um, do our adoptions at. They're constantly getting us donations too. So we have a lot of items. And so besides doing volunteers, I mean, it's going to be financial needs, right? Cause obviously the more funding we have, the more cases we can the more special cases you can take Absolutely. On. And so, and you know, when it, when I want to circle back to that, when I decide to take on cases, I still know that we have the funding to support it, but I will still network that animal and be like, Hey, we did this surgery and it cost this amount of money. Let's help raise some funds for that. So even though I, I know we have the money to support it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to raise more Try funds to help. That, yeah. Absolutely. So what kind of things do you do for your fundraisers? Like the car washes, the bake sales? or like- yeah. Well, they do the auction. We, t- we were talking about yes. that before we got so, there. Um, one of our volunteers, Darcy, is uh, amazing. And she literally handles all of that. And I hardly know any of the ins and the outs of the things that she does. She's fantastic with it, but she does do two silent auctions a year that is straight just via online auction. And then she holds this, our main fundraising event is our Christmas event that we actually hold at K9 Lifeline. And uh, we do it every year and we have vendors there and pictures with Santa and it's just super fun. Um, but those are the, the main three that we do besides 
little fundraising things here and there, like on social media, but it's not really going, Hey, this is what you can get. This is just raising awareness on a special case that we have in our program, you know? So it's just kind of more of a plea gotcha. for support. So with Christmas being right around the corner, believe it or not, since we're already into October, yeah. when is your event scheduled? Do you have a date? I'll have to double check with Darcy. She has it. I, it's usually like the first or second week of December. Um, and it's always a Saturday. Um, but it's, she has it listed on our social media page. It's on our website. Um, there's actually, uh, just the Facebook page for rough patch will always have the fundraising events on there. And so once it gets closer, she'll probably okay. start showcasing. Does, is it, is it like a fee to get in or is nope. it, it's free to get in? So it's free then... to get in. Now that if you are a vendor, you know, people right. come and be a vendor. There is a vendor fee. And to be honest with you, I don't remember what she asked for that. It's um, a, oh, that's from 2018. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, it's this. Oh, no, it's a It's this. But, um, and so she can only have so many vendors depending on the space because we're always in a different space at the K9 because they're always changing over there too. Um, and, but yeah, it's so you can do all these little shopping and when we were down to CBD, down to cute crafts, um, it's not always animal related too. So there's some things where it's just kitchen attire and things like that, but it's, it's quite the variety. And you don't have to go to an adoption event to adopt a dog. It's true. You don't. And so, yeah. so I guess that's the next big question. How does somebody adopt a a pet through you. Yeah. So, um, our, I should say easygoing cases come to our adoption events. We usually hold our adoption events every Saturday at the Riverton Pet Smart from one to three. And do the, uh, I know that when we got, who did we get from there somewhere? Oh, my mom's dog. They give you like coupons and stuff. Does Pet Smart still yes, do that? They do. So if you adopt a dog at any adoption event, event, I believe that Pet Smart holds, you get like a little book and that you can have training sessions and crates and killer deals beds in there. and Absolutely. food and toys. Because it and, costs a lot to set a dog up. So you like you can leave Pet Smart with all the stuff you need and use a bunch of coupons to get it yeah. and still even have some. So left. Is, that, is that the one in the district? No. So that's a pet so PetSmart, oh, oh, oh. it's the new shopping center. Everyone thinks it's Harriman because you're more on the West End. It's Riverton. Yeah, but it is so Riverton. 134. Just so. on yep. the other side of uh, Bangor. You got it. Okay. And before you hit Mountain View. So it's that new complex. It's Five beautiful. Below oh, there's everything there. Army West. It is so like growing. It's crazy. So I don't know how they're going to fit. The parking lot sucks, by the way. It's like all curved and like. Yeah. Why do they design parking lots like that it's, anyway? Yeah, I will. Capacity. Just give me yeah. some straight lines, <laughs> last time, last time I don't I want the blind there, curve. <laughs> last time I went out there for something, I went in and went to the Harmons for something, and I was like, I don't know how to Seriously. exit this lot now. I know. And I, so I got, I got us a, a little mini bus that I take to adoption. Oh, nice. And uh, it's not completely like done on the outside yet, but it's like it's, a short bus. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so driving that thing in that parking lot is just, you're like, I'm going to yeah. hit someone. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm over it, but, um, but yeah, so besides that, our volunteers, our fosters are very easygoing. And so if people wanted to do private meet and greets outside of an adoption event, uh, they can set those up on their leisure. So, so do the fosters bring them or do you go around and collect 
the animals and you take them? So to the events, the fosters bring them. And so a lot of our fosters do stay and then some just drop off and be like, if I don't hear from you, I'll be back at three, you know? And so it just depends. Everyone has, um, some fosters want to be there. Do you know? I want to judge that person that's going to take this dog. I've been telling I would probably be one well, of those. When, uh, when we adopted Phoebe, the cause people were like, so I, this is a good question for you. So cause has for anyone that adopts pets through their program, they have a Facebook group for, they call it the cause herd. And for uh, the adopters. Yeah. For yeah the we adopters. have it too. Yeah. And, and part of it's that so is so fun. So the fosters can also see how the adopters are doing exactly. with the dogs and follow the dogs that yep. they've, they've, you but know, it was homes. when we adopted her, it was funny cause it was just her and her brother left and we'd been walking around and Chris had had her, his eye on her for a long time. And we walked back to the cage and it was the brother and there was a, a couple with their son. Is it a son? I can't remember. It was a child. Uh, it was human. So I don't remember. <laughs> but there was, it was her brother who was very, very pit bull and then her. And we were standing by the cage and you know, you're not supposed to put your fingers in the cages and stuff, but I all of a sudden started to feel very possessive over Phoebe. And so like I had my hand like in the side and they came over to, because they were there. They had gone back to the kennel first and they came over to pull the dog out. And like, I even now, like I could just feel myself like getting more and more anxious. She's like, they're going to take my dog. That's and then my they, dog. <laughs> that I hadn't even asked about yet. And they took the other dog out and I was like, oh. so then while they were there, I was like, can we see this dog? And they're like, you know, you know that this is part of people. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So they gave her, to, so they were dealing with this family. This family had a lot of questions because they had little kids and stuff. We were just sitting in the shade, just talking with her and she was climbing all over and we were doing stuff and they're like, yeah, we don't have any questions for you. Like, here's your application. It's right. approved. We've been watching you for the last half an hour. You're fine. Take your exactly. dog home. So yeah, it, I, once I, once I've got my eye on one of them, like it's mine. So I would definitely be one of those fosters that's like, I know that this isn't mine, but I got to make sure that yep. you're okay. For like the exactly. first, for like the first year and a half, every time we'd put a post up, the, uh, cause people would tag the person that was fostering. Yeah. Her, oh like, yeah. So that she would look at it. So. Cause uh, th- I think she was like one of the main people or something. She was like at the event. She just wasn't there. And she, she, they like, yeah, she, they just asked if, if, what, what our feeling was. And we told her that it would be good because she was like, I can't get over there right now. Is it like, is it okay? Exactly. <laughs> when I think with the puppies, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, because they're puppies and, you know, they're going to grow up and maybe not remember their foster family. Yeah. Adult dogs are different, you know, and so I think uh, most of the time when our adult dogs do get adopted, the fosters stay really good in touch. I mean, privately, like texting each other and like, hey, I'm going out of town. Can you watch Bruno while I'm gone? You know (laughs) what I mean? It's they're they're kind of like co-parenting, which I think is awesome. So, um, but yeah, I think that's kind of like a benefit of. I got a question. I've always wondered this. So I, I get like adult dogs that are established and have names. But when you have babies, when you have puppies and kittens that come into your care, oh, gosh. <laughs> how do you guys pick the names? Because they're inevitably not going to stick. Oh, absolutely not. Like, well, and some of them do, surprisingly. Yeah. But My name's Phoebe Rose, not Taya, which is what it was when we were uh-huh. Which is actually our daughter's, one of our daughter's best friends. So we're like, that's a code, but we can't leave it Taya. And then like our cat's name was Bryce. Cause I like, was, no. Cause I was looking uh-huh. at your, I was looking at your site and you have, Three dogs that clearly whoever's got them is a country fan because it's Carrie Underwood, 
It was a litter of 10. It was a litter of 10. And yes, she, it was country stars. I see that, that like the, they they name him a thing. Like, I think, uh, what's her, what's her name? Uh, Ed Brass's wife. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, she, she named some of them like Thelma, Louise, like Uh she does stuff like that. Yes. All of our litters will have a theme and it's a way for like the organ, cause we know they're not going to keep their names. Yeah, you but know it's what a mean? way for you to keep track of it's them. It's a way to keep track of them and to recognize that litter. So cause like the adopters will come to us and be like, yeah, we adopted the Star Wars litter. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, you know, you just, you remember exactly what litter they're talking about versus going, Hey, yeah, uh, we, we did Skippy. And I'm like, eh, like two years ago. That yeah. You're like, what? It's kind of hard to, associate which group that they're talking about but yeah we try to you know when you've been naming so many dogs for so many years you kind of run out and i personally will never repeat a name so that is very difficult in my household (laughs) because like i associate that name with that dog and so when they come back to me i'm like I don't want to be like, well, which Charlie are you talking about? You know, so it's the one from two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our friends ended up like both of them ended up with Charlie dogs. I'm like, you know that so and so has Charlie. Exactly. Why did you name your dog Charlie? Exactly. And but my dad, especially, that was one of. He goes, you name your dogs the weirdest things. I'm like, you know, what? you got to get creative these days. <laughs> so <laughs> and it helps to kind of get a little exposure out there too because it does grab. It like does. when you're looking like on those pet finder listings and stuff like that. Some Sometimes it's just a unique name and they're like drawn to it, you know, and then so you kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) Exactly. We kept it because it was interesting and his his caller says General Kenobi. I love it. But but uh, what was um, what was Ebo's name? Professor Baron and Von Ebo. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They have interesting names for all of (laughs) us. I love that. We, We don't do that. Chopper came with his name. That's a good name. Uh, All of our pets have just kept the name. Chopper was also like almost a year old when I got to adopt him. So I, it was a a guy that worked for me. They had actually adopted him from a rescue event. Uh, and they, they're the ones that dealt with him him going through Parvo and everything else. And then, um, there were, we just, we don't have time. We don't have time to actually play with him and be with him. We're never home. We're gone like 24 seven. So they adopt, they were going to adopt him to one of his wife's friends and their baby was deathly. They took him home the very first night and the baby, like they had to rush him to the hospital and everything. So they're like, like, do you still want him? Still interested? I'm like, yeah, I would love to take him. And so he's been mine ever since. And now he's just old and curmudgeon y. And Chris has decided he's going to stuff him and put him in his office. And I was like, uh, you need to put him in (laughs) there. I cannot see him. That is. I mean, he's been my, he's been my dog for 14 years. Yeah. He's been his dog for longer than we've been together and right. so it's yeah. the eyes when they stuff it they just they gotta get the eyes right because if the eyes aren't right <laughs> that's what throws it doesn't it work they're just googly eyes is all it's funny yeah. though because like you can tell the difference between like when chris and i name named phoebe because we got phoebe pretty much after the girls were gone and like letting our kids name him so like boone's name she he's named after uh damon boone is his actual yeah name. he's named after the characters that what is his name Ian summerholder Ian summerholder played because my daughter was way into him so he played boone and lost and he played um 
Damon in, in the Vampire yep. Diaries. She so knows. she's a fan. Uh-huh, I so that, and then and <laughs> then our black cat who was behind here, who's like the epitome of a scaredy cat. My daughter was like, "Well, she has to be licorice," and I was like, "Oh God, no! We're naming her Scarlet because Scarlet Johansson and the Scarlet Witch. Like that's cool. So she's Scarlet, but her middle name is still licorice. Is still licorice. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh man. And we had a tuxedo cat that was named Tuxedo because our kids named you know your kids did not name that well cat. That my cat ex is, okay, my that, ex-husband who is another child that cat was older than cassie but my ex-husband named the cat so that cat the cat when the cat died it was older uh, older than our oldest daughter and our oldest daughter never knew life without the cat and like would pet the cat in, in her, her sleep. sleep wow because they used to sleep next to each yeah. other and so she would just be asleep and pet the, now she has her own tuxedo cat and they're my grandkitties. Hopefully, the only grandchildren that I ever have. I have three grandkitties now. Okay. Sad. So, go. just uh, one more real question for you. Um, so, you've definitely planted some roots here in Utah. You are no yes. longer a Minnesota girl. You're you're definitely a Utah girl. Um, what is the most interesting or unique thing that you found about Utah or discovered about Utah in, in your time here? Ooh. Um. You know, I. Well. I love just the atmosphere of it. You know, I think the, the vibes certain, I think the, when I first came here, the culture and things like that were just a little bit different. Um, and then you just kind of adapt to it and it's, it's a different type of nice out here. Like you have Minnesota nice, like everyone's just friendly. Everyone's like neighbors and, but it's a little different. There's some cliches out here in different cliques and, and groups, but they're still at the end of the day, very outgoing, friendly, just community kind of togetherness, um, which is awesome. But I think, um, just the outdoor aspect of Utah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Everything but the ocean. Yes. And it's just, it is, I, I love hiking and I don't probably get out as much as I would like to, but, um, I enjoy it immensely. Um, not much of a skier, surprisingly. Everyone always asks me that, but no, I was on skis once and it didn't end well. It's not so. really a Minnesota sort of thing. Yeah, we have we have large hills, uh-huh. you know. So, um, you know, there's skiing in that's Minnesota. What you, that's why you get a toboggan. Right? <laughs> exactly. You like put me on a tube. I can there's I can do that. More snowmobiling and ice skating in Minnesota. <laughs> so true. Now you can put me on a snowmobile, and that's a different story. There's a bunch but, of that up north outside of Ogden. Yeah. So, um, but no, I think you know, I just you know, it's a a great area to live and especially to raise kids and in that aspect. But, uh, yeah, do so, like it here. Speaking of, do you have any human children? I do. I have two. I have, uh, my youngest is 10 and my oldest is 14. Excellent. Yeah. Do they love being around the animals? They do. And, uh, they're like my trainers in the making, especially my oldest. Um, she comes across way wiser than her age and uh, always surprises people. But, she helps me do a lot of the training, and I think that's definitely probably the avenue I shall probably end up going into as she grows up. And then my youngest is our cat whisperer. Like, <laughs> no one else, like, we, we all love all animals, but we're very dog orientated for the most part. But her, that's, that's oh, her I'm niche. a cat person. She, oh my God, she, 
she is going to be that crazy cat lady. She's like, I am not going to marry it. I'm not going to have anything. Like, I'm just going to live with cats. And I was like, cool, be you. (laughs) It's like, you know, but we, we literally have a farm. So, I mean, you name the animal, we probably have it on our property. Um, and so I think, you know, our, our, and our kids are very fortunate to kind of grow up with all of that. Cause you know, I, I always hear these stories where, you know, these, kids are kind of deprived of that and I kind of breaks my heart and we even get kids that come into the adoption events and they're just petrified of just a small little animal. Sometimes that just frustrates me because I'm just like that. There's, there's no need to be there afraid. Isn't. And you know what, you know, if there's an incident or something right. like that, that could have maybe PTSD, but a lot of the times it's just, they haven't been around that's, it. That's what's crazy. Cause my brother, my brother has always loved animals and fearless around them. When he was seven, he got mauled by a Malamute and like his, what's a Malamute? <laughs> I, it's all good. <laughs> I, I wanted to correct that too, but it's okay. It's okay. He's my husband. So I can do it. <laughs> Plus my best friend. It's like rescues, Malamutes. Ra- rescues yeah. and raises Malamutes. So, yeah. um, but he got bit in his eye, like his, his, uh, right eye. He almost lost it. 42 stitches across the bridge of his nose and yeah. right under his eye. And, uh, this was a dog that he, it was our neighbor across the street's dog. And, you know, he was just sitting there petting it and the dog just went after his face out of, out of nowhere yeah. and, um, did not stop him. He's yeah. still, oh, he still chased baby bears around. Oh yeah. my God. Yes. That, the, the chasing of the bear was after that incident. Actually, you're right. So that's crazy. <laughs> uh, I just, I th- just, I think it's, it's good for him. And I honestly think it's good for the pets. So I've, I've consistently said like, she's kind of been the hardest dog. Some of it is because of the herding breed, but some of it, I said, all of my other pets have been around kids. And so they've had to get used to kids are annoying as mm-hmm. I push Jeremy to like, like, they're bothersome and so you have to train both the kids and the pet to deal with one another well she grew up in a household of adults we're very predictable yeah there's no surprises that happen and so she she went through this super reactive phase where like i was just crying like i was just I'm, i was just a mess because we couldn't take her anywhere if she had any whiff that she thought somebody might like she would just go right. and then i would be all anxious and then that would make her want to protect me like it Correct. was horrible and uh i'm thoroughly convinced it's because all the other pets had to learn how to deal with kids so mm-hmm. i am so happy because kudos will bring in their little kids sometimes and she gets a little bit of exposure right but i am convinced that any fosters that have kids are sending out just a slightly better pet on the <laughs> other end because they've had to learn to deal with even if it's yeah. kids that know how to deal with pets they're so much more unpredictable and they scream randomly and they change direction randomly and just old people don't do that it's true <laughs> it's true so how so true. how can people get a hold of you to adopt a pet to volunteer to donate time or money or services yeah so the dog food Yes, old dry, please. <laughs> um, uh, our website for sure. You know, the, the contact form is on there. My wireless number is on there. Everyone is able to see it. everyone's like, well, I hate people directing to your phone. You just might not get me right away, especially if I'm at the clinic. Well, that's what um, Jen told us. Jen said, it's send very a message. Hard. She yeah. will respond. But it may take it a may while. take some time. And I usually tell people, honestly, you know, emails are great. And we have a, a few other volunteers that kind of check that inbox as well. And that kind of help me go through it because we do get tons of emails a day. And some of it's inquiries, some of it's just behavioral concepts and questions and, and things like that. So trying to answer the community's questions 
in a timely manner um, sometimes is challenging. But if it's always for an instant response, I'm like, just text me and just shoot me a text and I can get it through it really quick. And then people obviously can reach me at the clinic too. But the website is by far the, there's more hands on deck. So you prefer the website as opposed to like just showing up at the clinic to ask you a question? Yeah. You know, I mean, it happens, but (laughs) um, you might just be waiting a while if I'm in surgery. Thursday (laughs) at two, someone's like, hey, so uh, is uh, is Stacy around? I got a question. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because people do, like people walk into the clinic and then, you know, our our cute receptionist will come back there and they're like, so, so so-and-so is up front waiting to talk to you. And I'm like, who is that? I'm like, I have no idea who that is. I'm like, can you like filter it? Like. So like, what are like, they here for? She's like, I've only been working here for two weeks. I don't. I so when I come next week to bring Rocky, if I ask for you, it'll throw it. It, it might. No, <laughs> I got. I got to point something out though that I try and point out to people um, when they come in. Phoebe, if you'll notice, has not been crazy all day, and she didn't go to school today. Today was that off day, and it's definitely like a trainer slash like person that's been around animals, like. We try and tell people, just come in. You've got to ignore her. You can't. Oh, that's my you main You can't go-to. like back up. Yeah. You can't do the whole thing because Julie will be like, no, 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 go away. And I'm just like, oh, just <laughs> you, you got to just because she's just she's just been chill. She came over. Yeah. She greeted her. She was like, oh, cool. Yeah. And then she's just left us alone. The she's whole time. my foot rest most days on the She podcast. likes to lay on Jeremy's feet. She's a licker. She likes to lick his feet, too. That's awesome. Weirdo dog. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Do you want me to just read this real quick? Yeah, we're going to do our Oracle card for Julia since she's going. So the Oracle card is laugh. Where the fuck is your sense of humor? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you have it. Uh, If you guys like what you heard, please share the episode. That is what helps us more than anything. If you Um, don't like what you heard, tell everybody about it. (laughs) Is this bad? Is this bad? I mean, Stacy was a pretty good guest. She's not one of the worst. So (laughs) that's good. That's good. Plus, Uh, Plus, sharing will probably help them a little. So. And the first rescue. So hopefully you yeah. have more rescues. Come yeah. on. I mean, that's so. a, this was fantastic to get to know some of the, some of the secrets that, uh, I've, I've always been a little curious about. So, uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, you can follow us on social media at TNU podcast everywhere. Uh, dot com is the website or hotdog dash water.com. Yep. Also, we'll get you there. Um, nice. if you know, you know. <laughs> And, uh, hopefully you have a good, uh, continuation of fall and it doesn't, um, spike heat and heat again. I go, guess. go check out a haunted house. Oh yeah, that's right. It is, uh, it's October. So, uh, go, go visit some local businesses. <laughs> <laughs>